from what learning new things. No, in learning like no, not new patterns, but in learning new. Uh, well, we said this before that the software developers should just stop learning new things for a given. Everyone can have a year off. And just, we've got enough technology. Just chill. Be happy with Redux. It's already complicated enough. <laughs> and why do we need more? Yeah. Maybe less. Thanks, React. That's right. The future of React state management is. No, no state, state management. management. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. We almost had that on sync. We all read the same <laughs> Twitter posts. Yeah. I just regurgitate what all the famous Twitter developers say. And they get that I have from no Hacker News. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's coming from one, uh, one developing profit, software developer profit. There's some nutcase out there, like just coming up with random stuff and everyone's regurgitating it. Some guru where all the Twitter followers just line up at some. Uh, Martin Fowler probably. Yeah. Yeah, please. Martin Fowler said something briefly in a conference talk ten years ago, and it's like resurfacing as a trend. Well, you were saying that before. Everything just uh, keeps rotating. Yeah, like serverless. It's been done before. That's right. We we worked it out. We've likened it to uh, punch cut the punch card system (laughs) of the old days. Renting time on a mainframe. Yeah, that's all we're doing. Essentially, let's go with that. Would have been good back in those days. You line up. You take your your punch cards in. Hey, can you run my code? Yeah, here you go. It'll be $30 and come back next week. And they run it and there's an error and you're like, they're like uh, oh, James's code didn't run today. I'm sorry. <laughs> come back in two weeks, but we'll try and run it again. In fact, the mainframe lit on fire. So <laughs> that's going to be expensive. No, no, it's fine. I'll punch another hole in it now. No, 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 no. Man, those, bit, those old computers were massive, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. We've got so much power now at our fingertips. It's disgusting. Power and, to move mountains. And all we do is make like cat videos. <laughs> Are you disgusted by the human race? Just out of curiosity. Well, maybe Don't answer the, that. Well, the cat videos are important, maybe. You know. Yeah, they make cats more important to us. You've got you to have a bit of fun. They make people think they like cats. Even though if I'm they actually a, were around a cat, they'd be like, wow, this thing's mean. Yeah, I'm not a cat person. I do like the videos, but I like the memes. Yeah, the cat memes are fun. But we, um, in our last podcast... We need to talk about what's happened on the Discord because it's been buzzing lately. Yeah, but we record a, a few weeks in advance because Frank's a big uh, full-time CEO businessman. And I don't it's know hard, about It's that. hard for me to get any of Frank's time because he's like out, you know, hitting the concrete, talking to the people with the, the bank accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get the product launched. That's right. Well, we've been going okay. Yeah. But I, you have to make time for the podcast. It's all, it all started with the podcast. Technically more important than the product's. Exactly. People like the podcast before they like the product. So <laughs> I feel like we have, uh, you know, a list of priorities in order there. So we've got to go through, we've had a fair few comments in the Discord. We've got to go through them. First of all, G. G. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go, G. What do you think about my boy fly.io and Cloudflare workers? Well, G, <laughs> from my extensive research of looking both of them up. Five for, minutes before the podcast. No, about joking. an hour before. You've had it, yeah. I, so uh, Cloudflare workers like have been on my radar. Fly.io, I think I read like the Hacker News article a while back, but like I wasn't particularly interested in it. Neither of them. They don't, it, it's probably where I've worked. I, like I don't get the opportunity to work in e-commerce things where people can afford to like reduce their security and just have their code running anywhere. Yeah. That's something that uh, we would all be like lose our jobs for where I've worked. Yeah. So Typically r- running code in Russia is not allowed. So <laughs> anywhere I've worked. Better for e-commerce maybe. Yeah. 
So it makes perfect sense for them because they're looking to, you know, there's all those um, statistics about uh, Amazon found reducing their response times by 100 milliseconds increased their sales by 3% or something. It really matters at a large scale. Yeah. Holy shit. People were way more likely to buy things if the response times were fast. Yeah. So there's a massive correlation between reducing even milliseconds uh, and getting a sale. But we don't really do the, we're not doing that. And I haven't done that. Actually, I did, I did work in like what would be considered retail environments, but um, they're all small scale. So I worked for like mom and pop stores, yeah. but they also don't care about the hundred milliseconds. No, they're fine. You've got to be at a large enough company where 3% actually matters yeah. and they don't have other way more pressing issues. I'll have to do a bit of research on that. I didn't realize it's such a big impact on- There's some massive, yeah. yeah right. They had a big study and yeah. So that's why everyone's so focused on it. Like- First time to contentful paint, like you get way more conversions. That's why uh, like Google and everyone are so focused on it. Mm. If it loads faster, people are more engaged. Mm. So keeping your like, you know, 15 millisecond response times are important to a lot of businesses. Sure. So how's Cloudflow help with that? Which one are we talking about now? Fly or? Sort of both. Both, yeah. Yeah. Well, They're uh, both doing different things, but aren't they? Like Fly.io, you said is like. Yeah, uh, sort of, yeah. I, I it's like so. moving, it's similar to Heroku where it's moving well, the, yeah. like a containerized service closer to the Yeah, location. you deploy a, a containerized service. It handles a lot of the complexity of that stuff. Uh, their sales pitch though is that it's a, a CDN for backends, yeah. right? So uh, if someone's running in Russia, then instead of, you know, sending those packets all the way across the ocean to us in Australia, you're going to, you know, it'll spin up a container in Russia and serve it directly to them. Mm. So uh, that sounds like it would be advantageous in uh, e-commerce. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> of course, but uh, if you have to worry about data locality, which I think a lot of companies, even e-commerce stores are probably going to end up having to worry about this sort of stuff. Mm. Australia's probably going to adapt a lot more privacy restrictions. They're going to require if you collect someone's you know address, you have to keep the data on, on shore, all sure. that sort of stuff, mm. I think. I think that we'll see more of that coming in Australia. Yep. Yeah, because you were saying Australia's getting pretty strict on these kind of things. Yeah, like a lot of the regulations, people are starting to, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call it wake up, but uh, the industry we're in, which is, uh, what would you call our industry? In the business reporting. We've got, we've got a lot of PII. Yeah, but in in like the, uh, the business reporting sort of industry sure. or like B2B, like tax sort of industry it's uh the regulations for tech stuff only seem to have come about two years ago we were like we we read through some of the papers and uh they only started migrating people onto these platforms two years ago mm. for all these like highly regulated systems requiring security certifications yeah so and it seems like uh they've which is good they've they've uh identified how the industry is moving and they've put some kind of uh vision in place to try and let everyone work within the industry because you know when the when the government systems are too hard to work with people just find a way around them don't yeah. they it's better if the government works with the the technology supply it'd be good vendors. if they did that with smaller vendors instead of just and like tried to have smaller companies do it as well there like i don't yeah. think you only want these massive like you don't only want the the, the zeros i'm definitely feeling i'm feeling that like all the all the research that I've been doing for our product, you can definitely feel that it's targeted more at the enterprise, enterprise level, massive enterprise with tons of funding behind yeah. it. Yeah, someone with an idea can't really just 
get started, even if they have a secure architecture. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It'd be great if they could lower that barrier for entry. Yeah. Or even... You uh, can keep the high standards and still keep a, a low barrier, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or even some... Because it's so complex, maybe they need some kind of uh, channel to to help smaller teams come up with ideas, like let them... How to, yeah, maintain compliance while... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Partner with some, partner gonna, with the smaller do that. teams. That's our next startup, Frank. I think we should. Yeah, because like once you've got a good idea, sometimes the execution is what blocks you. Yeah, and there's a lot of fears, right? Because it's so because the the people the other people who do all this have like lawyers on staff, like these other yeah, big companies. All the, the companies that are on these list of their official partners have like a full legal team. Yeah, and, and we've got like the the lawyers that you've hired. Yeah. By the hour. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's it. Well, lucky, yeah. like, and because you've got a lot of experience in the industry, that helps a lot because you know you're just doing everything best practice. So, from the very beginning. That's right. Yeah. So, there's no real worry there. Where if I had to do this stuff by myself, because uh, having no experience, I would have been blocked a long time ago. Yeah. And you have to bring people in, and then it starts costing a lot of money. Yeah. Luckily, we, because we started. I'd sort of had the idea that we'd move into, I knew we're, we're a form builder, so we're going to be collecting data. Yeah. So I had the idea that we would need to be like onshore and everything. So yeah. from the very beginning, I made sure that all of our data was onshore, uh, lockdown, subnet, yeah. closed, no public access to the database, all of this stuff, rotating credentials, yeah. you know. Right so it would, be, it would be good if uh, the government had some person who could guide you through and be like, uh, okay, give me an idea of what you're trying to do. And then they could give you like a list of things. Okay, you need to start here. Do these things as a base just to get up and running. Test yeah. your idea. And if it's valid, yeah. then we can go to the next step of... You shouldn't need uh, like $150,000 certification just yeah. to, to validate your idea. That's right. With a, with a couple businesses. Yeah. 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 Because a lot... Um, yeah, small ideas can solve big problems. That's true. You just need small teams. And also I have small ideas. So. <laughs> Wait, did we say small ideas? We're just the small, we're just the small people. <laughs> we're small idea people. <laughs> small ideas. That's how I like to market myself. Sometimes they grow into big ideas, but you know, solve yeah. a little problem first and then who knows what happens. The idea is getting bigger, yes. But uh, We're going off know. topic a bit. but um, No, that's fine. I feel like that was an interesting you know, subject and I know what I want to do next. And uh, It's not that I want someone to tell me. I, I just want to know like... What's the, what are they expecting? Yeah, that's what because I, there's, yeah, exactly. there's literally like thousands of PDFs. And even when I you know. talk to them, oh, they're horrible. like, they have no idea. And, and it, it's only two uh, years old. Imagine 10 years from now. Yep. It's going to get hectic. And no one, no one really likes to give, the, give their opinion either. You know, when you call Because these, it's like a legal thing. Yeah. So they're like, well, I don't really want to advise you. Exactly. Yeah. So then you need a lawyer. Mm. And then, you know, that adds up super fast. Yeah. You, sometimes we need lawyers like, as a service. Some, Laz. Laz, yeah. yeah. Well, the industry is kind of going that way, but the, the issue is you need to communicate what you're trying to do to the lawyer and sometimes that can take, like in highly complex, time. highly regulated industries, they can't just give you a, a rough idea. They need to give yeah. you the right answer. Yeah. So some, like, that's going to require, if there's lots of legislation and documentation, then that's going to require I just a lot of time to, to go help through. me go to sleep at night, that's all. That's it. So just tell me, yes, it's fine and I'll carry on because <laughs> I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. But anyway, 
Flyio and Cloudflare workers. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to use anything like it. I feel like uh, as soon as you know enough about cloud providers, you don't really like the value of these services goes down a little bit. Uh, I don't know what Flyio's like upper cost is. I know Cloudflare Workers is uh, is interesting for a lot of people. What was that feature for Cloudflare Workers you were talking about with the objects? Oh, like durable objects. Yeah. There's like the ability to like uh, treat uh, like a class, an instance of a class is like shared between the different workers apparently. That sounds like a very interesting feature. It reminded me of like uh, the object databases that were going to be the the big deal before relational databases came along. Yep. So the, the idea was that you didn't even have to think about what the actual structure of the database and everything was because it was actually just your code. Yep. Is that the only main difference between that and a Lambda? I read somewhere they're a little bit faster. Well, it seems like there's a, there's a runtime, like there's runtime additions and they also don't support the entire like JavaScript ecosystem. Mm. So they, they have a subset of what JavaScript can actually do, e- either the node or the... Uh, so you, some libraries probably would just break, I would assume. Uh, not ideal. They also want you to use this uh, KV thing as your storage, Cloudflare KV. Uh, but once again, this is like a paid service. I don't know. I'm, I'm not very interested in paid services. Because Lambda free tier is pretty low too, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like the pricing. Mm. We don't pay any money. Yeah. Yeah, we won't pay money for a long time. Most places don't pay money for. Like I like a, that pricing model. Practically free. <laughs> yeah, it's like a couple bucks. And also, you know, they reduce the price pricing point for uh, lambdas. Right. You remember it was at a hundred millisecond intervals. Yeah. It's down to like five millisecond oh, or wow. one millisecond. Oh, that's crazy. So if you run a six millisecond in- invocation, you yep. pay for six milliseconds. That's I come think. down a lot. Yeah. So everyone's. Because I remember how dropped. happy everyone was when it dropped to a hundred millisecond in- increments. Yeah. So it's it's a. Uh, it, yeah, like a lot of our invocations are only seven milliseconds, so there's not even a, a price to it, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Is there a cost to start them up, but? Well, we use a mono lambda, so we don't have to do that many startups. Gotcha. It's always yeah. running. It's pretty much always running. But is there a cost to start it? To start a lambda? It's the like same in the pricing model. It. It's the same as running it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, like if it takes two seconds to to start the Lambda initially, you pay two seconds and then it'll keep it warm. To me, it seems like it's about 15 seconds. They start killing off the old containers. Yep. So if you're not using requests within 15 seconds, you end up paying the cold start again. Yep. But you can combat that by either using uh, like warm, like pre-warming it. Pre-warming is cheaper. Mm. Like keeping the container warm is cheaper than actually just invoking it all the time. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or you could do the mono Lambda thing and just have everything invoke the same code base yeah. and then treat it more like a container instead of a uh, isolated function. They even support containers, 10 gigs, 10 gigs you can put on those containers. So. Pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good. Yeah. I'd prefer something more like cloud run, but uh, what's it called? Fargate is so expensive. Mm. So yeah. Fargate, you run the whole something. container yourself, don't you? No, they, they, they manage running the containers and everything. Like they spin it up. It's you a deploy, platform. You, you deploy a container, but is that yep. right? And then an image, yeah. An image, yeah. And then you like write a service map and everything. It's just way too complicated, I think. And also low value. What's the use case for Fargate then? I suppose you could run any containerized application. Any containerized application. If you don't want to implement EKS or something, yep. Kubernetes, so it's elastic Kubernetes service. If you don't want to manage your own containers, then just do that. If you don't use Beanstalk, then use that. 
But like Google's offering for serverless containers is way better, I think, yep. than Fargate. What's, and a, what's the benefit? The benefit, you just like uh, give it an image and it'll run it. Like it's, oh, it's, more it's really, it's very straightforward. Okay. Uh, and also it treats it just like a VM. So you just put it into a subnet or whatever. Like the management model is way simpler. They didn't build uh, like an entire like separate thing for it. So, sure. Yeah. I think even like the compute instances show up on like the compute instance uh, like panel in, in cloud when you run them. So yeah, it's nice. Next question. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, what I, else? I just wanted to say, you Tell know, uh, maybe if this is really like going to help you improve your business, like if you're going to, if, if you're at the point where shaving 15 milliseconds off a request is going to help you, then that's good. But also most people underestimate, I think that, Typically, your bottleneck isn't at uh, like the code execution layer. Typically, unless you're doing yeah. GraphQL, GraphQL yeah. resolvers can take a little bit. Yeah. It's normally in like the database. It's when you're doing net network calls, that sort of stuff. It's it's going to be there's going to be much lower hanging fruit than moving to this. Yes. Don't save 15 milliseconds. Wait until you have like more customers, and then see if maybe adding an index on a field is going to get you a better performance hit. Yeah. It's probably going to be the fact that you're doing an index scan or you, you're not probably indexing something or iterating over something or not caching something. Yep. Those are much higher value than moving to another platform preemptively. Yeah, good point. Go for the low-hanging fruit first. Yeah. Easy fixes. Yeah. Whereas this, like, if it can... If it says it... I think you said... You told me before there, there was on the marketing page that it cuts the execution time down by, what, 10 times or something? It was quite low. But that's going to be the... the that'll be the about. JavaScript execution time i think it was it was talking about the responses response time oh like packet delivery well that's fine that's like it they're both both of the things that g said were like cdn sort of oriented tools like trying to get code to so cloudflare this article says cloudflare team ran tests comparing workers against aws lambda and came to the conclusion that Workers is 441% faster than a Lambda function and 192% faster than a Lambda edge. That's for web page response times. This is a sponsored uh, article, but yeah. So take but, it with a grain of but salt. Again, I don't if you get the AWS guys to do their own tests, they'll probably they'll come probably the come other up way and around. Say, yeah, exactly. They'll say like, oh no, our Postgres connection is going to be way faster because yep. Cloudflare doesn't have their own like, you know, Postgres or RDS or whatever. Well, that's the thing I said to you before. Then you got to make the decision, you know, you're moving out. If AWS is your main cloud provider, how much benefit do you get from moving outside that? Like you'd want to get a fair bit of benefit if you're going to start using another platform for your cloud service. You wouldn't just want to shave 10 milliseconds off. Yeah? Probably not. If there was some something, I don't know, does it, if it does something with DNS, I don't know, or uh, like filtering, maybe you could implement your own WAF rules or something. That'd be interesting. But Otherwise, I can't really see what I would use it for. Environment var variables, 32 per worker. Pretty low. Oh, that's too low. Mm. Anyway, that's enough, G. We're done. We're done with you. Moving along. Moving along. It's Ju fine. You can use it if you want, G. I won't be angry. <laughs> Juggling JSONs. Just skipped a little bit there. What? No, no, it's fine. Yeah, juggling JSONs. We can come back to the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Because juggling JSON's been waiting for a while for this one. We need to talk to him. Yep. So, because in the last episode, we were talking about... This wasn't the last episode. This was like... The second last, ago. three ages ago. I know. It's because we go so far in advance. We need to be more in tune with our community, right? <laughs> <friends. laughs> 
So do you want me to read the whole post? Yeah. It's quite long. Because we're talking about Lambda. uh, We're talking about caching. Yeah, we were talking about caching. And uh, I think we took it as like, uh, we pretty much just talked about what we thought about caching. I think when he asked the last question. So then he says, what I meant when I said caching was the simplest ever in memory Lambda abuse, as in using memoization, normally used for expensive CPU tasks, I believe. It's like hydrating a lambda, in essence. Every cold start pulls a bunch of data within functions, memory, and reuses it, henceforth. Works quite nicely if you don't need to care about real-time slash notifications on changes and so on. He goes on to say heaps more stuff. Should we talk about that one that yeah. we just did? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I suppose uh, you could load the entire contents of your database or something if it's a small set. Like if you were doing, I don't know, I can think of like the feature flag service I, I made before. Like you could load all of the flags into memory and if you don't care, keep them running for... Oh, yeah. But those lambdas can run for a long time. I don't know the actual number, but I feel like I've 15 seen... 15 minutes, isn't it? I feel like it's more than that. Is it? I think, yeah. Because uh, like some of our scheduled tasks, I remember we're still running with uh, old flags like an hour later. Oh. Yeah. Maybe they've increased it. Maybe I, I could be in, entirely wrong, but yeah. You, you don't have much control over it, which would be scary, but it uh, depends on what the, the use case is. It's hard to know for, about a technology, like when someone says something like, oh, we use a technology for this, when you don't know what the background is. Ah, uh, yeah. Because like, it could be like what you're saying could be like the, the smartest possible solution. Yeah, that's true. And like you've just big-brained the heck out of us or... Yeah, so yeah. juggling JSONs, we need we need more info. It'd be more what business does, context. Like, yeah. what are you trying to do? I suppose. Actually, we it's interesting, interesting to know what concept. his stack is. Yeah, give us more. Well, clearly context. serverless. It's all serverless, yeah. And I think serverless is in the framework serv- serverless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then he goes on. I'm skipping some of it, but uh, we I'm do memoization though. Do we? Yeah. So um, in, inside of the function itself, uh, for example, like uh, authorization and everything uh, at the request layer, when there's a request for that specific, if someone gets the authenticated user in one handler, we don't like, you know, we don't re, re go to the database every single time during a single ex- execution. But this, the difference is he's doing it at like the entire Lambda. So it'd be for every request that comes to it. This is like the oh, cache yeah. is cleared at the end of every request response cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be expected, I suppose, wouldn't it? Well, that would be expected for my stuff. That's like a, this is like a global variable I think he's talking about. Like you could load an entire JSON structure. Maybe if you did like a, like a CMS or something, mm. like if you were talking to WordPress, you could like load all of your like translation data into a Lambda. Yep. But then isn't that like paying for an expensive... Would you be better off just hosting that data if you're... Unless you're doing a lot of transformations on it for different Lambdas, it seems like you'd be better off hosting it statically. Yeah. Like just put it in S3 bucket. Yep. Would that be way cheaper and then you're not paying for so much memory probably faster too i don't know but again like i said it depends on what the use case is yeah and that might be maybe these are the tools that they have available to them and it doesn't matter yeah yeah yep. then uh so he goes on to say he's using a bunch of what we talk about as macro lambdas postscript subscriptions and triggers my most recent finding was that api gateway supports web sockets and if you can use custom authorizer in front of a web socket entry point you can set state for the whole connection from there. That's more of a statement, I suppose. Then he says, 
Question on serverless framework. How do you guys go about the provisioning role? It requires quite extensive permissions to let you satisfy the least privilege principle if you create the IAMs on the fly as part of the IAC. So you provision the roles for lambdas on the fly and each lambda has its own role or do you use a common role for the whole CloudFormation stack that all the lambdas use? And then we were talking about this the other day. So there's two there's two things. One is that I think we were confused about whether or not it was actually the execution of the like the role that deploys stuff. Uh, when it comes to like the provisioning role, it's very rare to see that well managed. Typically, every software company the vulnerability is the CI server. If you yeah. can get into the CI server, <laughs> you've true, destroyed actually. the company. Yeah, <laughs> CI server can do anything. I don't want to say where I've worked, but everywhere. Everywhere. It's hard to get around. If you're going to be doing automated production deploys, then you know you're going to be giving a lot of power to that machine. Yep. You'd need to split it into. You'd need a team to manage just CI if you're going to get around the fact that like you have something that has godlike powers mm. doing automated tasks based on code. Yeah. Uh, that's a risk that I think most people understand though and are, are willing to accept because it's in their like private subnet, perimeter security, whatever. You could have different um, different pipelines for different like stacks if you're using a microservice kind of framework, couldn't you? Like- yeah, but typically, for example, like the so in Jenkins or in uh, whatever actions, they could still just assume to the same role. It's it's tough. So, <laughs> yeah. So like actually figure also when you start doing the provisioning stuff, there's a lot of resources that go into that. There's a lot to get the like deployment stuff operating on least principle of least privilege. Yep. Uh we did it two jobs ago. That was it was like a full time job though. Like because people would deploy stuff, something weird would not work and then you'd have to go check some sort of log somewhere and you'd see, oh, it doesn't have permission to change whatever. Like, yeah. For example, we had uh, CloudFormation break prod for a little bit because uh, uh, it couldn't delete. It, it did a deploy, then tried to roll back and couldn't deploy, couldn't delete a log group that it created. Ah. So like the tests all ran because it, it went permission up to but create didn't go and down. Have permission to and then it like left the entire stack in like a really fucked up bad state yeah so it can be a bit can be a bit scary setting those i typically in the beginning i'm just like yeah the ci server is going to be pretty much godlike yeah and you deal with it we, we don't use a prod ci server because i think that's a, a risk that i don't that that risk in particular the godlike ci server is something i don't want to do oh so by by running our own you've actually mitigated that a little bit that's right that uh, i think i said that in the beginning yeah right was i uh, until we actually have uh like funding to run our own and for me to actually architect our ci stuff mm. i don't want to have the vulnerability that i've seen elsewhere which is the god tier ci server that owns the entire network and services and mm. terraform and everything so mm. yeah because a lot of the times the terraform pipelines will be run on the same thing that runs like the tests so like your junior developer if they really wanted to could just install terraform and then <laughs> change the pipeline to de- <laughs> change yeah. your like uh, entry point sure. wouldn't be very hard yeah yeah but uh like you said it becomes a full-time job like depend and it depends on the size of your team as well sometimes you don't have resources to do all this kind of stuff the uh the the serverless one though you can just copy paste like it's a pretty standard like you need log groups Actually, there's no reason why I couldn't do it for the serverless one. Yep. Um, but we don't do any uh, CI into prod. Like I, I self-manage that because I think we have a big responsibility to do a PIV 
which yeah. is uh, post-implementation verification, not the other thing. And uh, yeah, so uh, the execution rule is... So, yeah, uh, that talks about provisioning. What about the execution With role? the execution rule, the macro lambda has the permissions that like each of them, and that's you actually something I see. can set them all individually, can't you? For each individual function, yeah. yeah. But I don't really see... Much you, can value set it for because a, you can set it for all the API gateways as well, can't you? Well, the API gateways have their own like permissions. Like yep. you have to grant them access to invoke the functions and yep. everything. Yeah, all that stuff. But then I, the th- I like to think of at what point am I fucked? Like that's, that's the way that I view the security of the system. Yep. Like what needs to be compromised? So one of the things in um, the DevOps handbook is that uh, if you optimize anywhere other than at your weak points, you're not optimizing anything at all. Mm. So the weak points are really, not that I'll enumerate weak points, but <laughs> typically they're going to be humans and they're going to be whatever the entry point into your subnet is, whether that's like a VPN or something. Yeah. So if I'm not optimizing there and I'm optimizing the execution roles, uh-huh, yeah. then there's a bit of a, a waste, right? Yeah. Because if someone were to get that far into our system, we're already destroyed, right? It's like the low-hanging fruit that you were talking about before. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it's progressive for, security. Yeah, go for, All, the, always go for solve the easy the wins first. Easy wins first and then move into the stack. Yeah. Or the areas that you think are more susceptible or that you yeah. think you know, need to have more focus on them. I've seen big companies optimize in the middle because those are the more interesting technically. And, some, yeah, and leave the, the, yeah, the edges right. vulnerable to like very simple... And there's a lot of AWS articles on it as well. Like yeah. If you start Googling, it'll be like, oh, you need to do this. Yeah. Implement this service and this will help this go away. Make sure you implement these specific execution rules for this function. I find that it, that's a, a bit of a challenge actually navigating because uh, there's so many uh, articles written by people who work for companies who are obviously trying to make money. Sometimes there's a disproportionate amount of information on the internet focused on things that don't really matter because it rely, relates to a, a service yeah. that someone's trying to sell. Principle of least privilege is very important, yeah. but it's it's the same thing. Everything in software is priorities and what matters more. Yeah. There's no such thing as a secure system is another thing to get out of your head. Like it's entirely possible for everything to be hacked. It's that you don't want to be the one person who is hacked. Yeah. So make it as hard as possible, really. And typically that's by, in, in a very small company, it's by securing the edges. So making sure that people have the least amount of access yeah. and that it's very traceable. And then, like, if if I knew that Frank was logged into Prod, I would want to know immediately. That's about those are my vulnerabilities. I don't want access to Prod. I don't give anyone access to Prod. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that uh, responsibility on my shoulders. I prefer to, just for you to do it. Yeah. So that that's that's one of the reasons, though, yeah. is uh, like I dramatically reduce my risk because I know it. The smaller the surface area for an attack, exactly. the better. Yeah. That's why I also prefer serverless for startups not just because of the pricing but because you no longer have to think about oh do i have the latest like linux version installed yeah that's true has someone installed sshd and like there's an open you know 22 that we're going to get brute forced on yeah yeah but uh well did we go off topic or or what (laughs) we're still talking about principle of least privilege very important uh when it when that's at the priority level of what you're doing uh, if you're interacting with a third-party service or you have like some uh, open source library that you don't quite trust, then obviously it'd be very important to make sure it only has access to the SNS topics that it needs and you know put a security on group on it so it can't hit outwards. But so that's The it. next part of the question is, so you provision the roles for lambdas on the fly. Oh, no, I read that bit. Each lambda has its uh, own yeah, role. I'll ta- so the 
provisioning on the fly. Uh, I don't trust... The thing that I hate the most about the serverless world is the serverless framework and CloudFormation. But you do use it. I do use it because it's it was... Uh, like there's still, I, I'm actually, you don't hate I, I've been from a Kubernetes background for the most part, actually. Yep. Serverless is like, it's something that I've had everywhere, but more as like a, a infrastructure. So I've used serverless for backups initially, like backing up databases because we didn't trust the, the, interestingly, security team didn't trust the, the native backup system. So we had to build oh. a, a backup system. So uh, we used like scheduled uh, Google cloud functions. Right. And then... Uh, Why did they fail sometimes, the backup functions? No, they just wanted it somewhere else. Oh, okay. We had the idea of uh, we wanted to fall over cross-cloud, so we went from GCP to AWS. Yep. So we had to have the backups in AWS as well. Ah. Okay. And it was very difficult to under, to explain to the, to the security team that adding that feature opens up an entire world of vulnerabilities sure. that are possible yep. by having this open, like... Just even adding that function means that there is permissions to view the database from somewhere outside of the application tier, which is yeah. scary. So anyway, but uh, the uh, provisioning of roles, uh, yeah, on the fly, CloudFormation, don't want CloudFormation. CloudFormation has screwed me up too many times. Mm. I, I want to get rid of it as, as soon as possible. Yep. So ideally, I'd like to be doing the deployments with Terraform. Um, because I've noticed that uh, when you actually deploy the entire CloudFormation stack, another benefit of us moving to the Mono Lambda is that the deployments now take probably like between 20 seconds to two minutes, mm. depending. And that's more just because CloudFormation takes ages to actually verify everything and do the deployment. And it doesn't do everything at once either. It like does one thing, it seems. And like you'll deploy the app and you, you've got 150 lambdas. It'll kill half of them. They'll just stop working. And then the other ones will stop, start working. Ah, yeah. And it's very strange. Yep. It's a very strange system. So uh, I, I, I provision everything well ahead of time in uh, Terraform out, outside of the code base, the app code base. Because I don't even really want the developer to be elsewhere. I, I didn't even want the developer to be concerned with what the permissions on the role were, really. Uh, if they needed something changed, then... All, all of the Lambda roles are managed centrally by a Terraform repository. So. so before we had, when we had multiple Lambdas, before the mono Lambda days, yeah. did every Lambda have its own role? No, definitely not. So they all just had a common role? It's heaps. It's so many CloudFormation resources. It's like you need the attachment, you need the role, you need the policy. It's like it's, you'd pop over some the lambdas, so easily. Some Lambdas have like S3 put and read access. Yeah. So that means just every Lambda has access to S3? Like yeah. did you, okay. It's all the same code. If there's a vulnerability in one of the code bases, it's in all of the code bases. Sure. We don't, we don't do anything untrusted with user input. Like we'd, if, if I was accepting like, oh, I can't even, there's, there's, there's no way for remote code execution. Like there's no, no, no place for that to be done in, uh, in our code base. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, if I was building code wars, like obviously there would be a, a separate tier and a separate set of ex like gotcha because I would need to I know that that's a vulnerable extremely vulnerable area yeah but you know if we're all running the same type orm code base I'm not really thinking that one of them if one of them is vulnerable they're all vulnerable sure yeah yeah that makes sense no point no point provisioning an extra role yeah if you've already 
solve that issue somewhere else. Different teams, I think, definitely should. If we had another team, then they would manage their own roles and everything and they wouldn't use ours. They'd probably have their own buckets and everything. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want them... So one the microservices microservices are there to like help team splits and it's the same thing. Like I would want them to manage their own infrastructure and That's everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not use the shared stuff. Because once you have the shared stuff all of a sudden like one team needs access to the reporting database and all this other stuff. And then it just starts getting magically added to the application database. You don't really want to share that stuff. So you're better off just to, yeah. So that's why it's- team manages their individual role. You can just expose an interface that works for that team to get what they need. Yeah. And you can control the interface. Yeah. Yeah. And then also think about what, what the risk is when if it's something that security teams don't frequently, uh, explain well is what they think the actual like uh, probability of the risk is mm. typically very low that one lambda would be compromised and the others wouldn't mm. yeah but we don't use many third party ser- like we don't use many services that need permissions we only use sns pretty much all of them use sns though the same sns topics yeah yeah so there's no s3 would be it but they all essentially need S3 access. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another comment there. Which one? Questions on serverless framework? No, that's, I've already ranted for like two hours on that. Yeah. So we can go. <laughs> next one says from car 79. Yeah. Ever think of naming your next product Zapples? No. No. <laughs> that's a joke because the product's called Zap. And what's your name? James, uh, Apple. James Apple. That's right. Everyone calls me Apples though because, uh, I don't know, people hate me and they want me to feel bad. Then we got... Even my family calls me Apples, which is weird. Oh, do they? Because they're all called Apple as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're obviously... That's a joke, actually. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> that would make no sense. Why would John Apple call James Apple? Hey, Apple. <laughs> now, everyone calls everyone in my family like Apple, apparently. Well, okay. the men are the men are all called Apple, and then the the girls aren't okay. for some reason. Yeah. Um, Good introduction to your product. I never fully knew what it was. I don't know fully what it is either. Mate, Adolf, we're still working it out. Yeah, we. It was a, it's a we'll get there, but. Yeah. And then uh, Batwing showed up. Isn't Batwing that great? showed up. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Batwing. Reach out a couple of questions. Uh, are we using Serverless or SAM for deployments? Yeah. Uh, I don't really want to use SAM for the reasons that I just outlaid. Yeah. Uh, Sam is just like, I feel like they're trying to fix the wrong thing. Like they're fixing the wrong bottleneck. The issue is cloud formation, not uh, the way that we configure the service. So Sam, Sam just Sam creates, just makes it easier to write cloud formation, I think. That's it, yeah. yeah. It makes it look more like code, yeah. which is good, but the issue is cloud formation takes like a gig a year to deploy yep. the simplest applications. Yeah. They should fix that. Hey, you know the the cloud development kit. Yeah, does that still? I think it does. Right, yeah. cloud formation as well. Pretty sure. Yeah, that's why. Like, I start looking at these things, and then I see what. Oh, export to cloud formation. Yeah. And I just get out. Yeah. yeah, it's not worth the time if it's cloud formation. Sure. So that's why. That's why you're uh, very. Uh, you always lean towards the Terraform way of doing things. Yeah. So it's much faster. And if there is like, st- so Terraform still com- computes like, oh, is this service up? Mm. But A, it's super fast. You can split it much easier. Yep. It's more modularized. And uh, 
when you do, so the, it does the state verification upfront before I hit deploy. Yep. So in, it seems like in CloudFormation, you hit deploy and then it does the state verification, starts deploying stuff and then is like, oh fuck, ro yep. rolls it back. Yep. Whereas Terraform is the opposite. It does the state ver verification and everything, tells you what's wrong, tells you what's going to change, what's going to be updated, yep. exactly what fields, yep. what names is going to change. <laughs> if something's going to be deleted, in Terraform, it will have a big red line saying this resource will be deleted. Yeah, nice. Whereas in CloudFormation, it's like, hit deploy, let's find out, buddy. Let's go, strap <laughs> yeah. in. <laughs> Heck yeah, <laughs> love it. So I get no confidence. And when then also do, the execution is fast because it, it just hits the API and it's done. So when you do... Um, Say you've got a, say like our stack, for example. Yeah. And uh, oh no, say, say there's a stack with multiple lambdas and you only update one and you deploy with Terraform. Does it only update that one? It's only going to upload. Yeah, it'll just upload the zip file, right? Yeah. And then that'll be it. That's the only change that's needed. So it's okay. going to essentially do a put to S3 and I don't know, change some version. That's it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did with uh, the all the infrastructure lambdas that I did elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And those services are way easier to understand as well because you don't have to understand the abstraction of both the like SAM and the cloud formation and all of this additional stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. HTL is much better for like, if you want to reference variables or something or have dynamic inputs, HTL is way better than cloud formation. Mm. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to start writing like it. YAML has become like a, like a, like a scripting language. Yeah. Yeah. Very painful. So soon, not, neither, Rich, in, in summary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the sooner I can get off of uh, anything with CloudFormation, the better. I wonder if they're going to update CloudFormation. Surely they'll to be working. To make it faster. They'll be working on it. I saw, an, I saw even mid last year, I saw something about them. They, they had made it faster, but uh, uh, two months ago, we were having a deploy that took uh, a full hour. Yeah. Even though it was only code change, no infrastructure change, it still takes a full hour to do a full deploy. Mm. And we were seeing network timeouts because of whatever it is that CloudFormation does to verify and restart these lambdas. Yeah. And I've seen that everywhere. Uh, I was, anyway, no, I was talking to people from a, another job and they're starting to see that. The, the bigger the, the serverless framework deployment gets, the more risky the deployment is. Got to split it up. Luckily, they have like blue green, so it's fine. Like they can deploy it and check, and then it doesn't matter. But like I don't, I, I'd rather have a faster deploy than have a blue green environment. Me too. Yeah. If I can deploy in ten seconds and roll back in ten seconds, then it's much better for me to just cut the service, find the first error, and go back. Yeah. Rather than uh, like yeah, wait for the whole thing to go up and cry, and then wait for the whole thing to go down and cry. Nah, that's no good. You can only drink so much coffee. It's so risky when you have those long deploy times. Optimum deploy time is five minutes. That's enough to walk to the coffee machine, get a coffee and come back. Oh, less. I think less. I, well, okay, sorry. Yeah, this is a meme. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? It's have the build time be five minutes. That's great. Yeah. And the like planning, but the actual like when something's happening, yes. like when prod is changed, instant. prod changes need to be instant. Yes. They need to be not amazing. be slow. Yeah. The build's fine if it takes an hour. I don't care. I'll leave it running in the background and then it'll be like, okay, deploy. Yeah. And then if that takes it 10 seconds, it's fine. Yeah, it is annoying. I know it, like I've had Not very SRE. No. I've had experiences with cloud formation where you're deploying stuff and then, yeah, you wait so long and then there's an error and you're like, oh my God. And then you fix it. Well, you think you fix it. And you deploy again. Yeah, you deploy again. And then it's like, no, you didn't fix no, it. you actually didn't fix it. Oh my God. 
Yeah. But um, why not? Actually, what else? Was there any other things in Discord? I think we covered them all. Yeah, we covered them all. Okay, but juggling JSON, <coughs> tell us about your stack. Give us the... Give what us do the you actually down. do, though, is the actual question. Yeah, give us all the information. I saw his GitHub page, actually. Yeah, he juggles on the GitHub page. I know. Can you believe it? That's why he's not jumping JSON. He's juggling JSON. Yeah. So... Maybe yep. if he jumped in his GitHub profile as well, he could be... Feel free to update the... Yeah. Photo. If you want to change, rebrand. Jumping and juggling. Jump juggling. The other thing we were going to talk about with the... It kind of leads into the uh, security stuff with the privileges is security tools like uh, GuardDuty and SNCC. Yeah, we're going to be adding those. What's the go there? Uh, yeah, just going to, you know... Guard duty is like a, an intrusion detection system, like an automatic system to sort of tell you, oh, someone's trying to brute force your your server, yep. that sort of thing. Or, oh, you have a weird login. Uh, what I really like is... AWS, right? No, I, 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 what do you mean? Guard duty? Is that no, I don't AWS? like AWS. What is that AWS guard duty? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I, I, the thing that really sold me on it was... Um, I was watching uh, some overviews about it. So we had it implemented at another company, but it seemed very low value because no one actually uh-huh. used it. <laughs> yeah. But, it's uh, always low value if no one uses it. Yeah. But, uh, but it does sound cool when you can like say to people, yeah, yeah, we use it. That mm. feels pretty good. You have to start early with these things. If you let these things stack up, it's impossible to resolve all these like automatic tool like issues. But uh, there's like a Slack notification you can get. You can set up like a, a Lambda function to get a notification when there's like a, a weird login or something, which yep. would ma- mean that it's incredibly fast for me to actually resolve these things. Mm. I don't want to tool... Uh, what typically happens... So I've had um, Sneak installed at... Essentially Sneak installed twice. And... Uh, How does Sneak comp- run? I don't even know. You... So... Where do you install it? I can't remember which one's Sneak and which one's Aqua, but I've had Sneak and Aqua. I think so. Sneak definitely does the NPM stuff. Aqua is another scanning tool that I think does the containers and Lambda function scanning, essentially, as well as dependency scanning. So I've used those both of those. Sneak is like it'll analyze your um, like your node modules and check which which of these node modules have a, like a vulnerability listed, which ones have C. So you do that? Do you do it through your um, pipeline? Yeah, so it's just a CI tool. Yeah. Typically you pay money for it, so you might do it less frequently. And yep. normally they're not like, they won't instantly fail you. Mm. There's other security tools like, I think it's called guardrails or something, which is uh, handlebars or no, not probably not, not, handlebars. not handlebars. I can't remember what it's called. That's what the mustache is. Yeah. That is, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I won't diverge too quickly. I'll, I'll wait for that divergence. But uh, like Sneak and Aqua, those things, they scan it and they look for CVEs and that sort of thing. And they, they don't really in- inspect the code very much. Mm. There's another class of security tools that I've used, which are like uh, r- actual checking your code to like see if there's a common SQL injection. Yep. If you see the word SQL and then you see a template string literal next to it, then maybe that's a, a SQL injection. And then those are those are those are actually valuable. I think more valuable than most. I'm guessing the things that sneak highlight uh, probably have already been. There's probably already a patch ready. You just need to bump it. it yeah. So GitHub also does it. So they have a Dependabot. Yeah. We have to pay for the upgraded version of GitHub. I think to use it. But 
uh, it'll tell you if there's a CVE against your packages and then uh, it'll automatically make a PR with the upgraded version. Oh, nice. And then because it's made a PR, it'll run the tests as well to make sure it doesn't break anything. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, the, the vulnerabilities that come up, 99% of the time, all of the vulnerabilities are not related to what you're doing. <laughs> For me, at least. Uh, okay. It's like, there's a lots of vulnerabilities in like command line tools. Like typically it's like the the colored strings for like create react app, like that would uh -huh. be the, the vulnerability, yep. which are, so you get, yeah, you get like alert paralysis essentially because yeah. it's telling you a lot of stuff that doesn't actually matter because yeah, no one problem, is actually it? worried about whether or not the create react app thing can potentially run arbitrary code if, you know, if someone is writing custom scripts, I don't know. Yeah, very weird things are what you typically get. And then we would get like um, the the alerts that I would get on my services at my last job would be like we were using uh, like the HTTP server and the uh, uh, like thin transport for REST or so not REST, uh, Thrift. And we'd get reports for like a totally different language, but because they're like against that repository. Uh, so you just get, uh, yeah, they're not always very useful. Yeah, that's not correct. But it's good for auditors because they like to see that you care, but... Problem, no one actually does anything. Yeah, with but them. the problem is when you get too many alerts, if nothing they're not, actually if they're not valid, nothing gets actioned. Yeah, yeah. Because then you just get an email, an inbox full of stuff that useless, like, useless. Yeah. And then when there's something in there that's actually an issue, it just hides behind everything else. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. So there's uh, we had a security team that would actually um, uh, go through the sneak reports and say like, oh, this is important. This uh, is not important. That's good. But the bad thing is that the security team typically doesn't know anything about coding. So then you got the same problem. So then no they come to, to the you. Security team. Well, no, but the security <laughs> team will come to you and they'll be like, oh, do you think this is like, does this apply to our use case of the library? And it's like, uh, no, none of these apply, but it's like, it drains like six hours out of your week yeah. for nothing. Because what vulnerabilities are you really going to find in most of the packages that you should be using at least? If there's like a if there's like a, a left pad level event, everyone's gonna know in the first place because it's on Hacker News. I'll hear about those what things from Hacker one? News before. Left pad. What Someone there? just pulled it from MPN. It, it it wasn't a vulnerability. It was a vulnerability in like security in terms of like don't let the company die, not in terms of like data exfiltration. Hmm. Uh, a guy got upset because I think someone wanted his project, one of his project names. Yep. It was a company that wanted his project, yep. and MPM like. NPM did some bad stuff, I think, and like took the project away from him uh -huh. because it was like their name and they were like, oh, it's trademarked, but it's open source. Yep. So there's multiple examples of that. Yeah. And so this guy was like, well, fuck NPM yep. and like yanked his package yep. and left pad just left pads a string. So like uh, if you have uh, like numbers and you want to have like, it's always six characters, yep. it'll like add uh, three, okay. three spaces to the left of sure. it or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but no one, yeah. Everyone was depending on that. Almost every like NPM package on, <laughs> on the planet depended on this like one file, How 20 line. Yeah. So uh, that dropped a lot of NPM for like a few days. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's it's a different kind of vulnerability. It's like, a, yeah. Yeah, well that uh, whole JavaScript ecosystem is built like that. So mm. it's going to happen sooner or later. Maybe. Just, just don't use any third party dependencies. Impossible. Just use the standard library. Impossible. That's what's nice about Go. <laughs> just just use the standard library and you don't have to use anyone's shitty. It's so hard to tell who's actually good at what they do yep. in these packages. It would be good if there was a standard library for these things. Yeah. 
can they add more can the ECMAScript people add more stuff to the standard library or does it make the stuff that we'd be talking oh so they do I think leftpad is built in I think it's in one of the latest uh, versions oh that's good but stuff like uh, the HTTP stuff is already in the standard library just not as easy as people would like yeah yeah are they going to improve it Uh, probably not no because that's what everything's built on now yeah yeah Unless they make another API. Mm. It could happen. I don't know. I don't know if they have. Uh, it's not always ECMAScript though. ECMAScript doesn't handle the node. Uh, that committee mm. does not handle the TC whatever, TC something, doesn't handle uh, the node, what node adds to their standard library. Ah, uh, yeah, because ECMAScript Because node and Dino and all these other things are all different, right? Sure. Yeah. It's the standard library. The sort of, not the standard library, it's like the... Every JavaScript environment has to adhere to these like yeah. standards. Yeah. Who's in charge of Node? The Node people. The Node because they come gang. up with their own thing. Yeah. Node and like browser JavaScript are unrelated, pretty much. Surely, there's uh, the V8 people would have some input there. I'm sure they would. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cross crosstalk. I'm sure, but it, it, I don't think it's the same committee and everything. You know the other thing? Hey, you know anything about documentation? <laughs> <laughs> Do I? <laughs> uh, I know that it's, it's not the best. It's, yeah. I've been trying to document it's not the stuff. the best world. Yeah, what are you trying to document? Uh, like a, just like a help page for people if they get stuck using our app, how to do things. Yeah. Because um, one of the integrations that we're building requires us to have a help page. So up till now, I've just been like, I've got these Google Sheets. And when people need help, I just email them to them. Yeah. And then I thought, um, you know, so sooner or later, I thought to myself, this needs to be on a website. Turns out sooner rather than later because we need to do it. For one of our integration partners. Yeah. yeah. So I had to, and then I'm like, oh. Do they need it to be publicly accessible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. This is just an example of big companies being dumb. So I didn't know, well, we've got our own our, like main website. I was thinking maybe we just add a we help. definitely put it there, yeah. Or we could make another site. Yeah. I was going to ask your opinion on this. Do we add it to the main site with like a slash help route? Yeah, probably. Or do we make help dot zap? You probably just add some accordions yeah. to, to the normal site, right? That's what I was thinking. That would probably be what I'd do. Because uh, like the other documentation tools, I think you were showing me, what is it, Doxy or whatever? Docs, yeah. Yeah, those are all like code, like documenting libraries typically. Yeah. Not so much for... Um, what a lot of people would do is share like a Confluence sort of thing. Like they'd have a publicly accessible Confluence page. Can we That's do that? for this stuff. Is that easier? We don't have Confluence. It costs money. I think. No, no, we need the free way. Need to do it the free way. I don't know if there's a free Confluence. I love Confluence though. Oh, okay. That's one of my, if I'm going to write documentation somewhere, it'd be in Confluence. But the thing is, it just dies. Confluence documentation is dead within a week. Can you make Confluence look like... uh, I doubt they let you have public pages. So we we used uh, their, so Atlassian has a whole suite of like, uh, so they have like a status page uh, that you can configure. They have... It's like an enterprise thing. Oh, so right. that's, that's what this integration party wants is they want enterprises to integrate with them. Yeah. So they're expecting you to have Jira status page and all this stuff, yeah. which are like very large tools used by operations teams. Yeah. yeah. We don't need that yet. No. 
No one's really checking the status page. They just literally call you on the phone. Yeah, I'll be like, yeah, James will fix it. It's I'll, also I'll never like, been yeah, hold done, it. James, so. oh, he's fixed it already. Just refresh. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 10-second deploy. <laughs> the luxury. Well, because your alerts are so good, most of the time you find out before I get the phone call. That's true. Yeah. Which is what you want. That's ideal. Mm. I, I see the errors as the user gets them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In real time. I, I empathize with our users more than anyone, really. <laughs> so... Um, but I did find that docs thing that I found, the only reason I liked it is because you need like a, you need to have a menu where people can search for all your articles, all your help articles. And I'm like, man, I don't want to- You don't need a help article. You just need an FAQ page, right? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like a whole bunch of accordion drop downs. But I didn't want to spend time building it. Like it doesn't really add value. I don't even know if people are going to look at it. You can link to it from the support page. It might be useful. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe uh, if you have to do something, maybe try and see like if you can make it actually useful. Not oh, well, definitely. Just I'm not just gonna, yeah, I'm not just going to yeah. make it ugly. Like I'll mm. do a prop. The things that I've already Record done. some YouTube videos. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it asks if you want to put videos up. But for starters, I'll just put like screenshots and how-tos. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, they're very, they're big systems, a lot of the doc generators. I'd just use something like Jekyll as well, maybe would have been, if I had to make a yeah. separate, it'd be something stupid simple. Yep. Because you don't want to go into the, you, when you start paying for these Atlassian tools, you get stuck into them and they, they cost a lot of money. All of these status page things. I don't know any of them that are for small businesses that are like, if it was like $5 a month and they gave you status page. And hey, like, maybe we're onto another idea. How here. expensive can it possibly be to host this stuff, right? Yep. It's literally like a health check and uh, like, Render markdown files. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. It probably already exists though. But yeah. Yeah. Can someone add us with the person who's already doing it so we can just use their service? It'd be a very jam stackable uh, yeah. product as well. Yeah. Because you could just use, uh, what, what did I use? Like toast or whatever. They were not, it's like bread toast or something. One of those headless CMSs. Yep. You could very easily white label something like that. Butter, is that the one? Butter, Butter yeah. Butter, Butter CMS, CMS yeah. Yep. Yeah, we tweeted. I tweeted Butter CMS. At oh, some did you? Point. Do you yeah. like that? Yeah, I came. No, I didn't that. like them. Oh, you didn't like it. It was no, paid. because I. Well, it was paid, but I I was paying, and yep. then I was I I don't I don't remember what it was. I wanted to upload articles in Markdown or something, and they sent me some snarky tweet, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh, and I got out. Not nice. So I moved my blog. Where are are you, Jekyll now? No, I'm on something very simple. Uh, I think yep. it might even be. Like WordPress or something. Yeah, the only reason I found this docs thing was because I just wanted to write Markdown as the health article. Yeah. Oh, I do use a generated site. I don't really use my blog. I've, <laughs> every time I want to write a blog post, I just end up getting inundated with work. Actually, the other one I found was DocuSaurus. Have you heard of that one? I have used DocuSaurus. I, I use that one, one for designed. Cool. Yeah, did you? Have you seen my designed site? No. I, I run a... An, uh, a, uh, a small library called Designed, which is just like a entity what's serialization. The, what's the URL? Uh, it's like jamesapple.github.io slash ts-designed. It's a horrible library. Don't look at it. It's, it's, meant, it's meant for me right now. But uh, I started documenting it. The, the documentation site looks nice though. jamesapple.com. jamesapple.github.io. Oh. Yeah. Slash ts-designed. It's just, um, I always hate how uh, JavaScript, you always want these like, you want like two things from the standard, from like all of these different packages, but they're not just in one thing. So that was like, this is me just writing those little things that I want from every package into one. 
so I don't have to depend on the entire JavaScript ecosystem. So there's like some optionals. There's a result type, async result, you know. I can't find the, uh, I'm trying to find the. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Look here. Look on my laptop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, very pretty, right? Yeah. Everyone so on do the that? podcast can see this, right? How'd you do that? Yeah, it's like Docky, Docusaurus or something. Oh, it is Docusaurus. I think so, yeah. It's one of the new ones. It's one of the hip, cool kids on the block. It just V2'd. But if I build it in DocuSource, then you've got to deploy another website. Exactly, which I don't want to do. That's what I was thinking. Because <laughs> then I have to make another CloudFormation site and uh, it, they're going to, you know, yeah. Yeah, make me manage that. And ah, okay. I'll have to call contact support. We got blocked. Yeah. We, we had two CloudFormation, um, not CloudFormation. Why is everything cloud something? Can't they just like name it CDN? That would be so much easier. <laughs> That's what Google did. You know what the name of the database systems are in Google Cloud? What? SQL, SQL. Oh. Yeah, wow. Relational database. Just name it SQL. No, that's no good. Yeah, no. Let's call it RDS. <laughs> <laughs> People will definitely know what that is. You need your own acronym. You can't be using everyone else's. CloudFront. Ugh. 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 So you need to set CloudFront up again for a different- Another CloudFront distribution, yeah. a different subdomain. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to make more work for you. I thought I'd just put another. I'll just add it to our landing page. It's also easier for everyone because you just- Oh, yeah. We only want the accordion. Yeah. Yeah. Now we need the side menu too. Side menu? Yeah. What do we need a side menu for? To click, click through the articles. Is that in the requirements? Mm. No, it's not. Mm. They said you have to have a side menu. I don't know if it says side menu, but it says you have to like have links with the names of the articles. Right. Yeah. Just write one article and add it. And they like, an and then they the like showed an example. And yeah. it's like, do it like this. And I'm like, okay, fine. We're not that big of an app. We're not like a... This is like what banks have to do. It's very strange. We're only little. We're the little guys. We have like personalized customer support. We don't want to invest in like, no one, no one, customers don't even use these tools when you build them. Well, I've, I've got such a good relationship with our customers. I just talk to them on the phone. Yeah. Guide them through. Hey, how's your day? But even later yeah, on, here. like they just call support anyway. They'd much rather call support 90% of the time. Yeah, we've got, we've got support team on the way. Yeah. It's in the business plan. It's in the business plan. That means it's happening. Anyway, documentation's boring. I hate documentation. It's always out of date and uh, no one does anything with it. Actually, that's the other thing the worst I was worried about. The worst thing is out of date documentation is worse than... Uh, that's exactly what I was worrying yeah. about because I thought to myself... We're already changing the name of the product, so we we're going to have... <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But like I was thinking when I send someone a, how, like a help page, yeah. before they read it or before I send it, I'll be like, oh, I'll just proofread and be like oh that's maybe wrong and I won't send it if it's wrong but if it's on the public internet then I'm worried like you have to maintain it every day yeah so Pete like a larger company would hire a writer yeah so at my last job I think we hired a writer specifically to do documentation yeah. for our customers but yeah. like that's not something that we would that's that's not a lean startup really hiring a documentation writer yeah very sad just let us do it. Let us do it our way. That's fine. The, I think these companies are really just trying to like prevent other people from getting into the market. That's what I reckon too. Yeah. And um, there's like this formula that everyone proposes that you should be doing things a certain way. But I feel like we're, we're running our own race a little bit. We don't do things a typical kind of way. No. There's a lot of people on the internet saying you need to do this and you need to do that. And then the more I read into it, the more I feel like, you know, not all this stuff is right. You've got to just follow your own instincts sometimes. Yep. 
Like I wouldn't have built this support page, documentation page now. The only reason doing it is for the integration. If anyone ever once asked for it, we would be all over it. But yeah, no, one, no one's asked. No one's going to ask. No. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well, that's the, that's the world we Such live Such is in. life. Yeah. We well, even have a little form where you can contact us directly. And we're just like, no, just please call us. It's fine. Yeah, I put my, my personal phone number there. Yeah. That'll, that's scalable. So anyone who wants to chat, just give me a buzz. Yeah, numbers there. register with our website and you can talk to Frank directly. <laughs> we'll add you to, if we're in a podcast, we're just going to have customers join the podcast. Actually, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, once... Uh, Except people are normally angry when they I would love to get it. some of our customers on actually to talk about... Oh, really? Don't you think that'd be cool? Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. I was thinking about it. I don't I'm think not- they'd like to meet me. I'm not a very fun person. No, I think you're fun. Yeah. Um, they just need to learn your type of humor. Yeah, <laughs> it's very difficult for most people. <laughs> but then once they Normal work- Normal people don't really understand. Once they work it out, it's, it's all fine. You have to have like 15 years of internet experience to understand my <laughs> sense of humor. So, <laughs> that's a And that's not an issue with other people. That's an issue with me. Like I don't know how to interact with people without memes. <laughs> <laughs> well, some you even tell me a few times. Oh, you're telling me one meme the other day. You're- like referencing something and you're like, oh, have you heard that reference? I'm like, no. Super easy. And you had to give me the- Barely an inconvenience. Yeah, you had to give me the reference. Screen so rants. You had to get me up to date on that one. Yeah. Oh, and the red bee. The red bee is a big one that you didn't know as well. The red bee. Very important. I'll look it up after No, the don't look it up. It's fun. We, we already went through this. We can't go through it again. Anyway, next topic, Frank. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's the topic. Oh, have we been an hour? Yeah. Oh, I had so much fun. Time flies when Did you're having fun. Did I rant? I think I ranted. That's what the people want. The people want the rant. <laughs> <laughs> nah. People were telling me they want more rants from Frank. They're sick of hearing my rant. That's what that's what Dan's telling me. All right, one of talk our old about guests. CSS. Let's yeah. go. We actually have to. Yeah, <laughs> that was the rant you wanted to do, and we haven't done it. It's just me. No, I love CSS. Talking shit about like uh, other companies. I can make my list of things that I don't like, and we can talk about it. Yeah, and I'll, we'll swap seats. You can be in this chair. <laughs> You know, so you know, the thing is this, right? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> I don't understand, but yes, tell me, CSS. <laughs> wow, float left is out of date. Tell me more. <laughs> Actually, you're good at the floats. Anyway, when do we post? When do we, we post on Wednesday? Yep. Get on our Discord. The invitation yeah, ask is us questions. in the actual podcast notes and everything. So yep. just click it and join the Discord. Ask us something. Uh, okay. Rate us on iTunes, please. Yeah, five stars. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.